Welcome to the Ghostman Radio Show, and tonight I am talking to Abby Taylor. Abby lives in Sheridan, Wyoming, where for six years she cared for her late husband, Bill, totally blind, who was partially paralysed by two strokes soon after we were married. Before that, I was a registered music therapist and worked for 15 years in a nursing home and other facilities that serve senior citizens. A virtual impairment, and during this time, I facilitated a support group for others like me. I also taught Braille and served on an advisory board of a trust fund that allows persons with blindness or low vision to purchase adaptive equipment and services. I'm all for two novels, but I think that's gone up to three or four by now. Two poetry collections, a memoir by poems, short stories, essays, provided in various journals, anthologies, belong to several writers' organisations, a woman's singing group, take water exercise classes at YMCA. Um, if you want, to, you can visit her website, but she'll probably mention it later because uh, I will ask her anyway, www.abbyjohnsontaylor.com. And now I'm talking to Abby. Hello, Abby. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you today? All right, let's talk a little bit about what happened early on in your life. I see that you've mentioned about you had to look after your husband, and also you had prob- you you got obviously impairments of yourself. How did how did you manage to cope with all this? Well, it, it wasn't easy. But after my late husband Bill suffered his first stroke in two thousand. And six, uh, we had a very wonderful occupational therapist at the nursing home where he received his therapy before coming home. And she was someone I had worked with. It was the same facility where I worked for 15 years. And so she knew me. And she had the patience of a saint. She, you know, taught, figured out the best way to teach me how to dress him, how to transfer him from one place to another. And she just kept diligently working with us until we got it right and I'm glad she did because otherwise he probably would have had to spend the rest of his life in the nursing home and that would not have been good for him no because I think it works better when you're together because absolutely even if you do get on each other's nerves sometimes (laughs) that's true you're absolutely right and um I see that you was also been a music therapist that that uh, I used to work in um people with special needs and music therapy was quite useful because people used to like they used to like listening to classical music was quite good yes yeah um well i worked in the uh, geriatric population and a lot of those residents preferred music from their younger years so 20s 30s 40s 50s a lot of the old standards big band swing that type of stuff and so that's mostly the type of music I used in my work. And I see that also, because of your visual impairment, you've helped to um, talk, talk, teach Braille. I've never taught, I've never uh, accessed Braille, but I used to, I learned once I had to do a course where I had to do, if someone was blind, um, showing around the room like, this is at 12 o'clock, that's at one o'clock. Right. To your left, it, three o'clock is the stairs. That kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I learned Braille 
because I was been visually impaired all my life. So I learned Braille when I was in the first grade, just like a, a child with uh, perfect with good vision would have learned to read. I learned to read Braille instead of print. So yeah, I've been teaching it all my life, and so I, you know, I thought it would be a great opportunity to share my knowledge with others, and it worked out great. So what when you write your books of. Do, do, do you look like me? Do you sometimes think at four o'clock in the morning? Ah, I must write that down. No, I usually don't. I do get ideas, but if, and if I have, if I can, if I have time, I will write them down. Otherwise, I just try to put them aside, and as soon as I can, I will write them down. But I'm not going to get up at four o'clock in the morning just to write something down. I I value my sleep. Just tell the <laughs> truth. <laughs> Now, let's talk a little bit about your books. I'm on your official author website at the moment, which is very easy accessible. I, I like your website. And we'll, I'll go by the books in the order that they appear on. We've got The Red Dress. I'll read a little bit about the blurb. When Eve went to her high school, senior prom, she wore a red dress that her mother had made for her. That night, after dancing with a boy of her dreams, she caught him in the act with her best friend. Months later, Eve, a freshman in college, is bullied into getting the dress, giving the dress to her roommate. After her mum finds out, the relationship is never the same again. So can you tell me yes. a little bit about that book? Well, yeah, I was actually inspired to write that when after, if I atten- well, after I attended a memoir writing workshop to tell the truth and this of course my novel is of course a work of fiction but in this workshop I attended an elderly lady uh, we were supposed to write and share about uh, an article of clothing that had a significance to us and so this lady wrote about a red blouse that her mother had made for her she took it with her to college and then her uh a sorority sister apparently just bullied her into giving her the red blouse, which she did, and that has since affected her relationship with her mother. And so I got the idea to kind of use the same story with a little bit of more of a twist in the story. But that—that's kind of what how how it was what what inspired it. I like that. I like, I like little things that it's strange what inspires you to write a story. I mean, obviously, yeah. we're going to come to the more personal one now. My ideal partner. It's yeah. September 2005. Abby Johnson married Bill Taylor. She was in her mid-40s, and he was 19 years older. Three months later, Bill suffered the first of two strokes that paralysed his left side and confined him to a wheelchair. Abby Johnson Taylor, once a registered music therapist, uses pose and poetry to tell the story of how she met and married her husband. They cared for him for six years despite a visual impairment. At first there was a glimmer of hope that Bill would walk again. But when the therapist gave up on him seven months after his second stroke, Abby resigned herself to being a permanent family caregiver. And I, I can I can um, relate to that because my wife is um, ill and I'm I'm sort of a semi-carer. I used to do it for a couple of years, but now she has someone coming in by a help out every now and again. Oh, that that's good. Yes, yeah. And I had the same thing with Bill. I couldn't. It was hard for me to give him his showers, 
And so we had an aide from our local senior center's help at home program come in three days a week to give Miss showers. And I think that was good because she, she with, with better vision than I, could pick up on other things like if he had sores or, you know, if, he, if, or if any, any other physical uh, just, you know, ailments that might be coming up that I might not pick up on with my vision, visual impairment. And, of course, uh, he was one of those people who was very tough. He wouldn't complain about anything. So unless, you know, somebody knows that something, he had a sore on his foot or, you know, anywhere else on his body, you know, he wouldn't tell me. And so I would, so it was good for me to have the extra eyes as well as the extra hands to help keep my husband well. Did you find when you wrote this book very cathartic? Yes, it was. In fact, I start well. I started a few months after his death, and then I had to put it aside because it just got to be too painful. But I'm glad I started it when I did because I, because the details of how I took care of him were fresh in my mind. It wasn't another. It was a, a, maybe a year or so later when I finished it, and by that time, all that w w had, would have faded, and it would have been harder to write. So I'm glad I got all at least all the details of how I did the transfers and dressed him and that sort of thing and, and the training involved with that. I uh, got that down so that it was accurate before I had to put it aside. Yeah, and, and I like the detail you got later on about how you, you know, coping, sitting up with him at night because he couldn't, he had trouble going right. wee and poo yes. and yes. dealing with oh, doctors. Yeah, and I mean, all these yeah, things people, people don't realise, do they? Until they're in this situation, right? I think it takes a lot more out of both of you, if you know what I mean. Well, yeah, yeah, and it, it was hard for him too. He he didn't like the idea that I had to do everything and that he couldn't do anything for himself, which is natural. Nobody wants to depend. I don't think wants to depend on anybody else to do anything for them. It's it's hard when you have to do that. So yes, it was hard for both of us. And, and did you find when you uh, finished the book, you you thought, oh, now I have this permanent memory of my husband that other people can relate to their stories to? Absolutely. That that's why that's one of the reasons why I wrote it because I wanted to let other caregivers know that they weren't alone and other people were going through the same thing, and I I I will hope that it would be a help to those other caregivers. And we go on to the next thing I've got on the list. It's called "That's Life." Life happens. As a teenager, you told you can't go on, can't go to the mall because your your aunt from out of town is visiting, and the family's planning a trip to see the Nutcracker. As an adult, you hear news on the radio about an airport bombing in Los Angeles. Your husband suffers a deteriorating stroke, and you spend the last six years of his life caring for him at home. Not all of Owens in his book are about tragedies. Some are humorous, others are serious. Topics range from school to love to death and everything in between. Do you like poetry? I do. I like poetry. I, I, I like poetry as long as it's not, you know, really abstract. You know, I like straightforward poems that tell stories or make points. I'm not, you know, crazy about poems that or just you don't know what they're about but yeah so that's yeah I do like poetry now that collection is is uh is actually it's, it's a chapbook and I actually had entered a contest or actually it wasn't a contest it was one of those poetry challenges where you write a poem a day for 30 days and so most of the poems in that 
were uh, as a result of that challenge. And the title, interestingly enough, uh, is the title poem is is to my was dedicated to my 13 year old niece who, who was 13 at the time, and she was one of those teenagers who was all about her friends, and she didn't seem to care one whit about her family and doing anything with the family, and so that's why I wrote that title poem, and that why that poem became the title of the book. Yeah, I, I like that. As I say, I try to do poems. It's hard, harder than people think. Because sometimes you're thinking, should I write in rhyme? And I think, well, it doesn't have to necessarily truly it have to rhyme. No. In fact, most of my poems don't rhyme. No, but it's a perception that you're given. But then when you read proper old poets like Yeats and Byron and all people like that, they didn't bother rhyming half the time. Right, right. Um, well, we've got another one called How to Build a Better Mousetrap, which is a very strange title. And you got the first five poems tell the story how you found out your husband and uh, yet again and more humorous outlooks and topics and various information about your childhood memories other topics. So yet again it's like a more like um, autobiographical kind of poem book. Well almost, almost. The first, the poems in the first part are about my caregiving experiences and I will tell you an interesting story about the title since you mentioned it. Um, we had a problem once uh, with Bill, my late husband, uh, the aide who was giving him his showers was having back trouble, and she thought it may be as a result of her lifting Bill from the bed onto the commode. So we brought in our caseworker, and she observed how the aide did it, and she said, you know, I wish we knew how to build a better mousetrap, but I think we'd better get a physical therapist in here to see if we can figure out the best way to handle this situation. And I thought, okay, well, we don't have a solution to the problem, but I've got a great title for a poetry book. So that's how, hence that's how that title was born. I like that. I I just had visions of you building a mousetrap game. And you're trying to, trying to have this, trying to think, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll fool that mouse, but obviously it wasn't that. Right, right, right. And no, and there's no, there actually are no mice in that book. There's nothing about mice at all. Uh, wait, the first part are about my caregiving experiences, and then the second part is childhood memories, and then the third part of the book is about reflections on different topics, and then the fourth part is dedicated to aging, and, and there's six poems in there uh, that were all inspired by my work at the nursing home. In other words, no mouse, no mice were harmed in making this book. No mice were harmed in the production of this book, no. <laughs> and uh, the, the, this one, I think I didn't, this one is quite scary in one way. We shall overcome. Oh, yes. The, uh, actually, yeah, this is, this is a novel about overcoming uh, stereotypes associated with disabilities. My heroine is visually impaired and she falls in love with a uh, sighted policeman, and she's kind of afraid of policemen because of something that happened to her younger brother. And not only is she having to overcome that, but her boyfriend's father is the county sheriff, and his sister is also visually impaired. And so the sheriff is having to overcome stereotypes so that you know that are that are associated with disabilities, like if blind people can't do anything, they should just stay at home and twiddle their thumbs and not and not do anything. And so he's having to go overcome that. So it's all that book is it's a romance, but it's all about overcoming fears and overcoming stereotypes that are associated with people with disabilities. 
I'm going to give you a sample of your poetry here. Uh, it's called sure. Winter Through the Senses In a Silent Snowfall Seas flakes swirl Amid white-covered streets Sidewalks Feel snow crunch beneath your boots Hear the rumble Of a distant snow blower Indoors feel the warmth of slippers on your feet Breathe the aroma of steaming cocoa Savour the flavour of its frothy chocolatey goodness Safe, warm, while snow keeps falling. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that, that, now that one I wrote several years ago, and we have a lot of snow here in Wyoming, and I was just inspired to write about, the, you know, feeling, seeing the snow, feeling it crunch under your feet, or feeling your slippers, tasting hot chocolate on a cold, snowy day. So it's just all about... You're viewing winter through the senses. That's the title. I see you've got a little blog on your site, and you've um, what have you written about? Let's see. Nove- Novel weaves curious holiday yarn. Seasons yeah, greetings. Blogging is it? I I love doing blogging because I do blogs as well. My my blog's called Ghost Man, and I do lots of different weird and wonderful things. I like to write stories on there. I uh, I, I I you know I just find it interesting how much you can put on a blog. Do you try to practice your singing as much as possible? Yes, I do. And I don't just sing on the blog either. I perform. I go to nursing homes at least once or twice a month and take my guitar, or if they have a piano, I'll use that, and I'll sing. I also sing with a group called Just Harmony. We're a women's choral group that sings barbershop and other types of choral music, and we also do nursing homes and other venues. So I do a lot of performing as well as writing. I presume you don't, your swimming group doesn't do this while you're doing water exercise classes. Oh, yes, I also do water exercises. Yes, at, at the Y, I participate in that three days a week. I gotta keep, I keep, keep exercising so I can stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's important, isn't it? Because obviously, like, it, it, it's a, it, people got this illusion that disabled people, or what ways people like to be called, are able to do things. We're supposed to sit there looking at four walls, rocking back and forth. That's right. That's right. And so that, and that's why I try to. That's what I was talking about before with my novel. I'm, I'm trying to 
uh, alleviate, you know, or eliminate that type of a stereotype. Uh, you know, I'm not going to do things like rock climb or skydive, but a lot of able-bodied people don't do that either. But within reason, I try to do as, you know, what other people can do. If, if it's something that interests me, I'll try and do it. So you say you like to do poetry and sing. Now, how good are you doing improv? Improv? Yeah, um, like, I don't... like suddenly sort of like thinking of a song and a poem as we're talking? Uh, I don't do a lot of that. The closest thing I come to improv is, well, I go to a monthly uh, uh, meetings of a group, local group here in town called Third Thursday Poets. Called that because we meet on the third Thursday. Um, so, uh, and what we do there is, is whoever is in charge of the meeting will offer a prompt, and then we write on that prompt for about 20 minutes. That's as close as it comes to improv for me. Right. Um, what What's your favorite song? My oh my gosh, I have a lot of favorite. I don't. I have a lot of songs that I really like, and I I don't know that I have any particular favorites. Um, but one that comes to mind was one that was on a cassette that my late husband Bill mailed to me when he was living in Fowler, Colorado, and I was living here. But you see, we met through a magazine called Newsreel, which is a magazine by and for the blind. It comes out in audio format, and it's where people who are blind or visually impaired can share ideas or sell or trade something or share a song. And I had asked a question about computers, and Bill ran a computer store in Fowler, Colorado, where he was living at the time, and he emailed me with the answer to my question, and I emailed him back, and that's how it started. So a couple years after that, uh, in 2005, Bill sent me a letter, and he is also totally blind. He not, I, I have some vision, but he is totally blind, and he sent me a letter in Braille asking me to marry him. And then a month uh. later, yes, and the, that was, it was quite a shock, because I thought he just wanted to be friends. And he'd been working up the courage to ask me for six months, apparently. And finally, so so it was it was quite a shock when I got that. Then a month later, for Valentine's Day, he sent me a care package, which included a cassette of love songs that he downloaded from the internet and recorded. And one of these was "I Want to Spend My Lifetime Loving You" from The Mask of Zorro. Oh, that's cool. I like that. It's like I, I like I um. What was I? I did my I did a version um, I don't know if you've heard of the song Must Be Loved by Madness Oh I don't I might have it's possible It's live originally it. by Libby S-I-F-I-I-R-E It goes something like this I never thought I'd miss you half as much as I do I never thought I'd feel this way the way I feel about you as soon as I wake up Every night, every day, I know it's you I need to take the blues away. It just goes on like that. Oh, yeah, I think I might have heard that. It sounds vaguely familiar. Unfortunately, that wasn't one uh, song on Bill's tape, but I bet if he'd known it, it would have been one he would have included, I'm sure. I, 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 I imagine you've kept quite a lot of his uh, tapes around so you can listen back to 
um, what he sounded like and revoke some memories again? Well, actually, you know, the, uh, I don't really have any, I do have one MP3 recording uh, of Bill. He, uh, after his, a couple years after his stroke, we uh, purchased some software that allowed him to send email by voice. He could, he could record the message and then send it. And uh, I, I, of course, and I, I never really did keep, he never sent me any voice messages that often because we were right there in the house and, um, and it didn't any mean for him to send me a voice message, but he sent a lot of voice messages to his sister in California. And one day after he passed out of the blue, she sent me this recording of him that she had saved. And I still have it. And, uh, but that's really the only uh, recording I have. I have nothing uh, before his strokes. He, ha he had a much, his voice was different before the strokes. And I don't have anything, I, and I wish now that I had saved. Because I think he did make some vocal recordings, uh, but I never saved any of them. And I wish now that I had. Yeah, the yeah. Recording I've, the only recording of Bill that I have is the one that his sister sent me. Well, the, the, as you say, I, I think what I can gather from the bit I read, the blurb of your book, that the memoir you wrote, is very powerful, very informative, and you're doing it in a style that's sort of like, you're not a bit sort of like all the gloom and doom. I mean, there's obviously moments you think, oh, God, I wish he never did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um... No, I have no regrets. Uh, it never even occurred to me to walk away when I first, when I after he had his first stroke. Other women might have, but not me. I, you know, I realized even though we never said for better or for worse in our marriage in our marriage ceremony, um, we, you know, it, it it was just, you know, it was just a given. It was not, you know, and I never even thought of walking away. So it never occurred to me. Well, I, I agree with you. It's. I know people these days think um, they don't take marriage vows sometimes seriously, but I I, I agree with you. Uh, I, it's a victory of horror in sickness and health, and you've got to go for the good times and the bad times. Right, right, absolutely. Have um, Have you got any projects in the pipeline? Yes. Uh, I'm working on another novel right now that was actually inspired by a quote I recently read once by Irma Bombeck, uh, which goes, Your grandmother pretends not to know who you are on Halloween. And mm -hmm. having worked with, with uh, nursing home residents with Alzheimer's, it, you know, I realized, well, your grandmother might actually not know you on Halloween or on any other day, for that matter. And I, I got the idea for this novel about a grandmother with Alzheimer's who's in a nursing home who has a secret that nobody else knows. But then one day she reveals it to one of her granddaughters and how this secret affects the family. That's a cool idea because obviously... Uh, like I know from mental health days, people get lucid moments. They do. They do. Yes. And did you did you enjoy? I mean, obviously you enjoyed your care work and what you did. Did you find it hard when you had to sort of step away 
a bit? Actually, I, I there was some guilt uh, at the end because a month before he passed, I had to move Bill to a nursing home because he was just getting too weak for me to care for him at home. And I did feel a little bit of guilt. But, you know, and he was okay with it, though. You know, he was. I don't think he was angry or bitter about it. He just accepted the fact that he just, you know, was going downhill and he needed more care than I could give him. Um, but, it, but, but then also, I hate to say this, but it was kind of a relief once the job was done because I felt like I had more freedom. I did spend a lot of time with him at the nursing home, but then I could go home and I could eat what I wanted and I could sleep when I wanted and I didn't have to get up in the middle of the night to empty a urinal. It was, it was actually wonderful, I'm sorry to say. Well, no, no, I, I, I know, I know what you're saying, Abby. I know, yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you mean because you are giving up half your life virtually aren't yeah. you and that, that, that's, the, that's the bit where you I mean like I go group I go to a group where I, li where I live and that's my release that's like getting away from it all in, you know because you need it don't you you just need to be apart sometimes absolutely yes they always say heart the love uh, if you go away the heart make Make it, the heart goes stronger and fonder. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yes, yes, I've heard that. Yeah, and I think that that can be true. Well, I've, 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 um, I think we've reached more, more or less what we can talk about now, Abby. I've, I think we've covered nearly everything you do. I don't know if anything else you do. You don't do, you don't no. do skydiving. We we discovered no. that. <laughs> I don't do skydiving. I walk or rock climbing, but if you'd like, I can provide, I know you mentioned it earlier, but if you want, I can give you, give a, out my website again, and if the way people want to visit, because there are ordering links on each book's page where they can order the books from Amazon or Smashwords, and so I, the website then is http colon slash slash www dot Abby Johnson Taylor, and I'll spell that, A-B-B-I-E J-O-H-N-S-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R dot com. AbbyJohnsonTaylor.com Right. Um, I'm on Smashwords as well. Thank you. So, so I'll, I'll look your books up and I'll give you a link to my books. Um, That's great. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, well, before I go, I usually like to do like a neat sign-off. Now, obviously, I'm going to ask you, Abby, what would your unique sign-off be? A unique sign-off? Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, I always like to say, um, oh my goodness, well, it, 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 boy, now, now you throw me for a loop. I hope you're going to do some editing here. But anyway, well, I, I just usually say, um, you know, goodbye, nice talking to you. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening or whatever. Right, that's okay. So this is mine for you. <clears throat> Hello, Abby. I talked to you about your books, you know. It was it's your memoirs and exciting poems about things you like to do. I don't, I don't think you do it underwater when you're doing your exercise at the YMCA. I hope not, anyway. You do your singing and your guitar playing too perhaps you'll be on the X Factor someday too soon or I'll be on American Idol 
with your choir singing away. But don't forget to look and make sure you're there today. So thank you for being on my show. It's very nice to talk to you. And have a great day. Bye-bye. Good night. Thank you. You do the same.